Hello and welcome to the 1 160 of a second photography podcast. This episode is going to be reviewing the Ricoh GR3. So what you've just heard is the Ricoh GR3 turning on and I keep my Ricoh GR3 in a sort of one pound Amazon basic camera pouch. I don't really need to keep the Ricoh GR3 in any protective bag or anything but it does go in and out of my coat pocket and it does go in and out of my pocket and the last thing I want to do is scratch it so it just goes in this sort of cheap cloth bag. I can get it out quickly and that's one of the things with the Ricoh GR3 that I want to talk about. It's its ability to do quick photography and it's its ability to get it in and out of your pocket and actually I walk around with it in my hand quite a lot. Now I've had the Ricoh GR3 for a week, a week yesterday in fact in recording this episode and I absolutely love it. It sort of exceeds the hype, I was going to say it lives up to the hype but it goes past the hype. So it's the camera that everyone raves about for street photography. The Ricoh GR series are small cameras, start off as film cameras and the small pocketable cameras that are just high quality. So I wanted to hire a Ricoh GR3 but I couldn't find anyone that hired them and due to a few personal reasons I was selling off kits and I decided I was going to sell off my micro four thirds lenses. I wasn't using them enough and they were good lenses they were just sitting there so I decided I was going to sell them off. My M43 body I decided I'd keep. I didn't think I would get a lot for it and it's a good body and it's good for filming and I've got lots of vintage lenses that I can attach to it. So I decided I could sell the lenses off and keep the body without any great loss. It wasn't really worth selling the body. I think most people would say if I'm selling the lenses, I'll sell the body. But because you can adapt so many lenses to a micro four thirds camera, I decided to keep the body. I can always sell it later. So I traded in. I sent off my Micro Four Thirds lenses to Wex Photographic and I traded in for a Ricoh GR3. And it's a really good street photography tool, but it is expensive for what it is, £800. And again, I, I traded in, so things I weren't using, I traded in to fund that purchase. The price itself did put me off. And a while ago, I got a Fuji XF10 and I've been very happy with that. And that's an awful lot cheaper than a Ricoh GR3. Image quality is very similar, but the use is so much better on the Ricoh GR3. Of course, the Ricoh GR3 gives exceptional image quality, and so does the XF10. But the Ricoh GR3, I can get it out of my pocket, turn it on and take a picture in under three seconds. And that's really amazing. I can pick it up with one hand. Now, it's been designed to be used in a hand. I suppose all cameras have, but this has really been thought of and laid out for a professional photographer or a street photographer. It's a rugged, it's not rugged, it's a well-built camera. I wouldn't say it's rugged, it's not It's not weatherproof, it's not sealed or anything. It's got three places you can put your wrist strap. Normally you only have one, but you can put it in three places and you can use it one-handed. So like I said, I can get it out of my pocket, I can take a picture, or I can just walk around with it in my hand. Now, it's one of the only cameras I put a wrist strap on. I hate wrist straps, but with this, because it costs so much and because it's going to be in my hand and moving in and out of pockets, I put a wrist strap on just to prevent me accidentally dropping it and breaking it because the lens pops out. So if I dropped it, I feel the lens would break. So as I've said, it's incredibly quick to get it out of your pocket, take a photo, put it back in your pocket and move on, which for me is the way to do street photography. Turn up, take a snap, move away. That's how I do street photography. It doesn't have many modes. So most cameras have loads and loads of modes. It's quite light on modes. It's got program, manual, AV, 
TV and it's got three custom user settings and AV is aperture priority and TV is shutter priority. Sometimes they're called different things for different manufacturers. And that's it. To change mode, you have to move a dial. That's nothing new, but there's a lock. There's a little button you have to press down to unlock it and that just means the mode isn't going to change when you put it in and out of your pocket which is great as well so like i said it can be used in one hand and there's a front and back dial which can be operated with a single hand so you can use your thumb for um, the back dial and you can use your index finger for the front dial it's very light it's very small so it's not cumbersome to carry it fits in your right hand so it's got a grip designed for right hand and thumb on the back I wish you could get cameras for left-handed people because I'm left-handed. I wish as well your viewfinder was set up more for a left-handed person, but that's by the by. So it doesn't have a viewfinder, interestingly. It just has an LCD screen. The LCD screen is a touch screen and you can adjust the brightness. And one of the really nice features is you can just turn the screen off to save battery life. Battery life is a contentious issue on this camera. It's not very good. It charges over USB-C, but the battery life isn't very good. But... I would say the battery life hasn't hampered me. I haven't gone out and not been able to shoot because of the battery. It's not as good as DSLR. It's not as good as other compacts. I've gone out and I've shot 150 images with it and the battery hasn't packed up. So it's done a long shoot for me and I'm more than happy with it. But just be aware it's not the best battery in the world. So you can press that back dial in and it allows you to quickly change settings. So you can press it in to activate sort of a very quick menu. You can move it along and then you can use the sort of directional pad or you can use your hand to pick the settings on that. So your front and back dials also do your aperture and your shutter speed. There's a button for ISO and you can do everything via the touchscreen. However, I found I rarely use the touchscreen and if I do use it, it tends to be for either picking a focus point or for reviewing images. But I really like the physical interactions I can make with the camera and I just use the physical controls much more than the touchscreen. But if you want, you can use the touchscreen. So it's got five AF modes and that includes tracking AF and it's got face AF and I have to say the autofocus is good. It's not the best autofocusing camera. I need to say that, but it's good enough. So one of the features it has is something called snap focus where you can set your focus at a predefined point. If you press your shutter and halfway it does autofocus. If you press it all the way, it goes into that zone focusing snap mode. And that was something that really appealed to me. You've got it on the Fuji XF10, but it's not as good an implementation as on the Ricoh GR3. And I thought I'd be using snap focus all the time, but I don't use it half as much as I thought I would, simply because the autofocus is good enough that I can do what I want with it. So it will detect faces and it will focus on them and they're sharp and they're accurate. I can put tracking on if I want. The tracking isn't good enough for moving subjects, but it allows me to focus on a point and I can recompose and things will stay in focus. Manual focusing is easy. So you put it in manual focus and you just move the wheel on the background to change your focusing distance. People have complained that the back dial is mushy. I've had no problems with it. I think it's quite good. Not a problem at all. You can also set to snap, which I've talked about, and you can change your snap focus to different points which allows you to do different zone focusing if you put it in a certain aperture and set the focus to a certain distance you'll get hyperfocal focusing i haven't bothered with that but hyperfocal focusing means that everything from say one meter onwards is in focus but you need quite high apertures for that I haven't bothered with it again because the autofocus has impressed me so much. I haven't really taken off autofocus. And with one button press, you can set it to infinity focus. And that's going to be quite useful as well. But again, I've not used it. So it shoots raw 
and it shoots JPEG and you can do RAW only JPEG only RAW plus JPEG nothing special there but it shoots them in film profiles so we can have hard black and white high contrast you have positive film negative film they're not quite as good as the Fuji film simulations but the difference I think is negligible Fuji have more film simulations and particularly on the more expensive cameras but I'm quite happy with the film simulations they're very very good and probably my favorite one is positive film what I really like about it is you can transfer your images to your phone really quickly the app connects over bluetooth so image transfer is really good takes a while to connect your camera it's not the best connecting device you can set it so that it transfers I think when the camera's off so there's always a connection but I haven't bothered with that or just drain the battery so I have bluetooth on you can turn it off if you want to conserve battery and I can quickly transfer images to my phone once I've made the initial connection and then if I want I can develop the images in my phone and I can instax print them or send them off to wherever from the phone nice and easy it's a 24 megapixel sensor I think the combination of the lens and the sensor give a really good image and it's a very modern sensor so I can underexpose and bring the shadows up and it has a special metering mode called highlight metering mode and in highlight metering mode it exposes for the highlights so it protects your highlights and of course because it's a modern digital sensor you can just bring the shadows up in post so you can get some very good images that would be tricky to do in other cameras so put it in aperture priority or shutter priority and literally just focus and take a picture and your highlights are preserved and there's enough latitude and range within the digital file to bring the shadows up to get a very well exposed image that has that sort of highlight priority which is really good and really in vogue at the moment you can develop your raw so i shoot with it in raw and you can develop the pictures in camera you can change things change the colors push the shadows etc you can do all that in camera and then they save as jpegs and you can do that on fuji cameras so it's very similar to fuji cameras this is probably the most customizable camera i've ever used there's so many things you can dig out in the menu you can customize all the buttons you can remap them to do different things the only thing i've changed is the function button does snap focus for me and everything else i've left as default but it's such a customizable camera even on white balance you can pick all your different white balances and you can also pick your white balance by color temperature and you can fine tune it it's so customizable i'm only a week in so i haven't explored everything it's got built-in nd filters which is incredibly useful i don't know how many stops the nd are but built-in nd filters i've not used them because it's miserable and not sunny here in the uk but no doubt when summer comes around i'll be using those nd filters all the time it's got a really good macro mode and one of the reasons i trade in my micro four thirds lenses was I had a macro lens and I never used it I enjoyed taking macro but it just seemed fiddly with a macro lens and I know people will hate me for saying that you had to put a special lens on set the aperture really high work out if you've got everything in focus on the depth of field this camera just has a macro mode you press a button it goes into macro mode and then you can focus up to six centimeters you can get into six centimeters and it, it just works really well now i previously had the fuji x100 original not the f not the s not the t not the v i had the first one and that had a macro mode so i knew i'd be quite happy with that using the macro mode and it's so much more accessible having a macro mode on this camera than having a separate macro lens 
The Fuji X100 was a horrible implementation of the macro mode. It took ages to get into the macro mode. It took ages to focus in the macro mode. You often missed focus and then it took ages to get back to just normal setup. In the Ricoh GR, one press puts you in macro mode, one press takes you out. It's amazing. It's brilliant. So it has a 24 megapixel sensor and you can set crops within it. You can crop it to 35 or 50. And I think it uses a smaller part of the sensor because when you do that, you don't get such a big file size. I think it's like 12 megapixels or 16 megapixels. But I can't see the point doing that. It's nice to have it there. But essentially, it's the same as cropping in post-production. So you might as well shoot at 28 millimeters and then crop to what you want rather than have the camera crop for you i don't i really don't see the point of that but again it's good to have and some people might like it i think previous versions of the rico gr had a problem with dust now this has a dust shake on the sensor so it, it shakes them i've got that on my canon dslrs just a little shake to remove dust who knows how good it's going to be one of the things i do like i said at the start of the episode is i put it in a protective pouch and another reason for doing that is it keeps dust off I've always got like bits of tissue and other stuff in my pockets and my coat pockets so anything that just keeps dust off the lens because the lens retracts into the body which is what makes it so good for quick shooting and it pops out of the body so you're bound to get some dust in there and of course you can't take the lens off so that dust will be there forever you can't shake it out you can't go and clean your sensor with the fuji xf10 you've got a lens cap on so you can put it in your pocket and not worry about scratching the lens or getting dust in it it's got a lens cap on but actually that that became an incredible hindrance because you'd take it out of your pocket you'd have to take the lens cap off and you'd have to do that every time and you'd have to put the lens cap back on otherwise when you put it back in your pocket you like to scratch the lens and you just can't risk that so a lens cap was very good but it was also a big negative in quickly shooting so the screen is incredibly bright you don't have an evf you just have a back lcd screen but when that quick menu i talked about pressing the back jog dial in you can quickly move to screen brightness and you can bump it up for when it's very sunny bump it down for conserving battery or turn it off it's a very good screen it's a touch screen you don't get sort of reflections they've done something clever they put some gel in or something or there's no gap between the lcd and the glass it's just a good good screen the build quality is very good like i said it's not weatherproof but it seems to be all metal i think it's magnesium the grip stuff is is grippy but i would always use it with the wrist strap on just in case it has video and everyone has always said the video is rubbish on it and i sort of thought well i'll give it a try so if you go into video you can't plug any microphones in it has microphones on the front i think but only on the front and they're built-in microphones probably the bigger thing to that is that it's all automatic. You can't set the aperture and you can't set the shutter speed. You can pick frame rates. It has good frame rates. It has 24, 30 and 60. So you just have to hope that it picks the right shutter speed. You just have to hope on 24 frames per second it's picking 1 48th of a second. But you have no idea of knowing. You have no idea. So it's not very good. The camera has in-body stabilization. It's called shake reduction. And that shake reduction mechanism is what is used to remove dust from the sensor. I suppose it does a little shake because the sensor can move up and down and that, that removes dust. And that also gives image stabilization in the camera. And that's there for video. And most of the features you get, well, I should say most of the extensive features you get in the photography mode, you get in the video mode as well. But you just can't control the settings. So you can do all the tracking, face stuff, 
stuff works, snap focus works, film simulations work, you can record your video in black and white, but you just can't change the, the shutter speed and the aperture. And I've had a look at the video and it's okay. It's not like a GoPro, a new GoPro, where you can walk around with it in your hand and you get smooth footage. The image stabilization in video isn't that good. It still looks like you're walking, but it's probably better than if you were walking with a DSLR and filming. So video is nothing to write home about, probably better on your phone, so don't don't worry about it. Doesn't have a flash, and I know in previous iterations it's had a flash, but it does have a hot shoe, and I'm probably never going to use the flash, and it's got this nice little plastic bit that pushes in to protect your hot shoe. It has auto ISO, and the auto ISO is very good. You can have auto ISO, but I think auto ISO is only good when you have a minimum shutter speed. So auto ISO I have on various other cameras and what I like is when you can set the top limit of your auto ISO, the bottom limit and the minimum shutter speed. And it does all that. So some of my cameras do that and some of my cameras don't do that. So I'm really pleased with the auto ISO mode. It has loads and loads of little nice features and I won't be able to list them all, but the ones that come to mind are the ones that I see when I use the camera. It's got a gyroscope so you can get the horizon level. Again, that doesn't matter too much because you can always straighten it in post, but you get a little guide, which is nice. And when you turn it off, it tells you how many images you've taken that day, which is another nice feature. So it's a great camera. It's not for everyone and it's expensive, but it's a camera that I'm using all the time that I'm going out with all the time. And even in a week, I've used it loads and I got it by trading in equipment that I just wasn't using and was sitting on a shelf. So for me, it's a brilliant little camera and it's ideal for street photography. So in conclusion, I think the Ricoh GR3 is an excellent travel and street photography camera. It's an excellent everyday camera. I use it for family stuff. I use it for street photography. And because of the Ricoh GR, I'm doing more photography. Sometimes I struggle to get out and do photography due to other commitments, but I can just go out for a 10 minute walk and take my Ricoh GR with me and I'll find something interesting to photograph. I might only get three shots, but at least I'm out doing photography. It's such a customizable camera. It's the most customizable camera I've ever seen and it's quick to operate and it's easy to use. So it's one-handed, take a picture, put it away. The image quality is very good and that comes from a very good sensor and that comes from a very good lens. It feels premium, but don't get me wrong, you pay for that premium quality because it's 800 pounds. So it's a niche camera, it's not for everyone, but it is for me. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes because it would really help the show out. Thank you, goodbye.